Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. I'm hoping that our technical stuff is fixed and we're actually on the air. If uh, one of my people who are here with me could just maybe send me a text or through the chat or something, let me know if we are, in fact, on the air, that would be great. Funny thing with Blog Talk Radio, the if you're not a technical person, it's easy, but it, it sometimes has its challenges. So I'm going to hope that we're here and... Um, so I'm Truth Light, and this is the tr- the Light of Truth, and we're here today. We've got our special guest Judith Colella, and uh, she's going to be working with us on maybe some things that you didn't know from the Bible, and uh, and just different factoids and different conversations. Judy's one of my uh, dearest dearest friends, and so it's always interesting when uh, when we get together. And I'm just kind of checking to see. If uh, if you all actually are getting me through on on the air, so um, okay. So just to check it out, I'm going to pull Judy over and just see if if we're actually connecting because I see that she's she's here now. So Judy, um, I'm going to go ahead and pull you into the conversation. If you can hear me, then we'll know it by that, right? <laughs> and then I can be more relaxed and do the show. All right. Okay. So are you with me? Yep, I am. Okay, see, I totally can't tell from my end if because uh, it kept cutting me off before before the show started, so I couldn't even tell from my end if anybody was if I was connected with you guys or not. So, um, okay, so now I can relax and do the show. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really need a technical person. <laughs> okay, so so. Usually we do a meditation at the front. I think what I decided I'm going to do is do the meditation at the back end of this particular show just so we can get moving because we have the technical stuff up front. So if you're somebody who tunes into the archives for the meditations, because I know we have some people who do that, just know that it will be like the last five minutes of the show rather than the first. So, um, Okay, so I'm sitting here today having coffee in the morning, right? I've been up since, um, oh, I don't know, before dawn. And suddenly realized I don't have a topic for today's show. <laughs> and so I text message my beautiful, beautiful coffee buddy, Judy, and I'm like, I need a topic for the show. And she comes up with, oh, what did you come up with, Judy? Oh, well, I said, did you know that <laughs> Moses ran into the Anunnaki in the desert? See, and this is why I love my friends, <clears throat> because who has friends who come up with that? <laughs> So, of course, I went, oh, good Lord, okay, why don't you just join me on the show today? <laughs> so Judy very kindly agreed to uh, to have coffee with me on the show. We're actually having our coffee together, right? Yes, we are. Sweet. You know, indeed, I'm okay. sitting here with my refreshed cup. The first cup, I well, I found it, I found my found Wolfgang in my coffee. Oh, wait a minute, let me explain that. Wolfgang was not literally in the coffee. He's a, I mean, he's a German Wolfgang is a great big German shepherd, so I would hope not. <laughs> no, I, I said that all wrong. I put my cup on the floor, 
Well, ah. I saw him in a big snout in the coffee, so mm. you know, the, the dog was not swimming in the coffee. No, uh, that, that would, would be, be a fresh cup. Always conjure the best pictures. Okay, so. <laughs> You know, I don't even know where to start with you. Okay, so let's start with the whole Moses thing. What, okay, so our topic of today is just Judy and I talking, and when you get to know what it's like, we joke about Judy having been Socrates in a past life, and, and really amongst our little crowd, we're not actually joking, but we have to say we joke about it because there are people who don't do the whole past life thing, but we have very little doubt that Judy was probably Socrates in her past life, like seriously. So Judy has all these crazy interesting facts that that – really just blow your mind. So talk to me about Moses and the Anunnaki and what you found out about that, because that's not anything I've ever heard before. Uh-huh. Most people have not. No, well, in the, in the, the book of Numbers, I, I was reading um, yesterday, morning, and um, uh, they, they'd come out of Egypt. They had the whole big shlemiel with the with Pharaoh and then the Red Sea and the water and the drowning and the chariots and this and that. Now they're plowing along to the desert, and they've been around for quite a while, and they finally get to this part of the, the land that they're sort of heading for, and Moses sends a bunch of people in there to scout it out. And some of them come back with, like, wow, this is really great. They got all kinds of, like, great size of your head, and it's wonderful. And these other guys who's with them, and they, they say, literally, this is literally a quote, what they said, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And, of course, then the whole congregation flips out, and like, oh, my God, you should have left us in Egypt, huh? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, <laughs> but there are well, that going, wait a minute, a knock. Oh, Google time. So I went and checked, and I, I typed in, is there a relationship between the Anak of the Bible and the Anunnaki? And, of course, I got bombarded with these, yes, absolutely. And, you know, they explained who the Anunnaki were and and all the other stuff, and that Anak was just a Hebrew form of that word. Nice. And the description is right dead on. Nice. And so they don't really teach you about this in churches, do they? No, not as a rule, no. (laughs) (laughs) So all of these people who... Who, now, the Anunnaki are getting a whole lot of FaceTime with, uh, I guess, a whole lot of promotion by uh, ancient aliens. <laughs> that show, you know, ancient aliens. And it's really wonderful because, um, you know, I guess for a lot of people, there's a whole lot of mystery surrounding that. Um, you know, as as you know, like for years now, I've kind of communicated with and had, had Anunnaki around and stuff. And so, you know, it's funny when people can see things, right? If they're a vision, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll come walking up and they're like, good God, what's com- what comes with you? You know, I went to a, when I had my vision quest in Oklahoma and the guy was a little nervous and I couldn't figure out why he was so nervous. And he told me there were like these three beings behind me that were so tall that their the the ceiling came just to their chest. They were, and so they were just standing there with their arms folded, like, you know, watch what you're doing kind of. And so this uh this Cheyenne holy man was a little uh <laughs> a little intimidated because he didn't know what was going on. And so then later I found out that these were Anunnaki that that I have. Wait, would that know. make them your out of body guard? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe so. 
<laughs> You're so much fun. So, okay, so first of all, let's kind of tell you, I put, you know, I put, we welcome our guest, our special guest, Judith Colella, you're an author and whatnot, but what are you an author? Okay, let's not, because the line will go on forever. What is the book series that you're promoting at the moment? Because Judy actually has a whole lot of stuff she's written, and so, but there's one book series that's amazing, and uh, and so can you tell us just, real quickly a little bit about, because that also fits with what we're doing, a little bit about the McDara Chronicles and, and all of that. Well, um, as you said, it's the McDara Chronicles. The, the book that's out right now is book one. It's called Overcomer the Journey. And uh, it's the beginning of the journey of a young man named Ian McDara who was born in 527 A.D. He, uh, his family has been plagued by this being called Moloch. And it becomes his destiny to eventually have to fight this thing. Now, it's eternal. He can't kill it, but he can banish it to the... And that's going to be his his destiny, is to do that and save mankind from a whole lot of grief in the future. So he has to cross time and continents and learn how to wield the sword of light for the battle. Uh, and who's, who's sword of light? Huh? What What is the connection with the sword of light in your story? Well, the Sword of Light is actually the, the scroll, the words of wisdom, the eternal words of wisdom. And um, people have different names for it. Some people call it the Bible, the law, you know, the ancient writings. Um, and you know, it's got the truth in it that you find in all those ancient um, manuscripts that they've unearthed. And um, so anyway, he, his teacher is Michael, the archangel. And he travels through this thing called the hub of time. This is how he gets from place to place within the timeline. He goes through these portals and doors. And um, when he gets to modern-day America, he gets put in a foster family that is wonderful. And then they get murdered, and he winds up in this horrible, abusive foster family for the next six years. And what makes him unique is that he is arguably the most beautiful human being ever born, but these people convince him that he's the ugliest thing on the planet. And um, so he goes through six years basically of torture, and when he gets rescued, he eventually remembers who he is and what he's here for, and then he meets with these people who are going to help him, this girl named Celeste who plays the harp. Music in the story deals with playing back darkness, um, and there's explanations in the story about the quality of music and why it does that. And um, and this, the, the first part of the the first book is is just up to pretty much that point. And the battle is the second book. It's Overcome of the Battle, and that will be coming out in um, well towards the holiday season, a little bit before. And I have to say that everybody um, everybody that I share this book with, you know, because because mm-hmm. um, of course we we started out with the original publishing and. And that needed some tweaking and shifting, and and so, you know, some of us who were lucky had kind of read part of the series already, and then we've Judy's gone back and redone some things to kind of make it, um, well, make it what easier to promote, I guess. Well, easier to read too. I got rid of a lot of unnecessary mistakes that as a new author I had made. Right. Um, so, everybody that I shared this new version with, they. And I'm, it's so funny because in our center, everybody picks it up. It's just out there for people to read as they're, like if they're some of the healers or readers or whatever it is. And so we have 
13-year-olds to 29, like a 13-year-old girl, a 29-year-old male, and everything in between. And all of them come to me and go, okay, I need the next book. And they they get so upset with me when they realize they can't get it yet. <laughs> so I just have to say the audience is amazingly wide, you know. And, um, and you know, I'm I'm pushing 50, and I love the story. And so anyway, that's how Judy and I actually got to know each other is because a lot of what she was writing about um, that she, I guess, originally thought was kind of, um, you thought it was kind of fiction, sort of, right? Well, I just thought it was my weird imagination doing its thing. And so little by little we find out that, you know, maybe it's something talking through Judy and telling a story or, I don't know what, but it's definitely not fiction because a lot of what the main character does when I go to do um, some of the more severe entity removals and things that I do, it's very similar. The things that she talks about in her book with my mystical work is spot on. It's really incredible. And so it's kind of neat. And so, you know, it's a, but there was a a reason for you writing that, right? You have teenagers and and Mm -hmm. just that choice light over dark kind of. Exactly. I wanted to show people, especially young people, because the world is just getting darker and darker. And I wanted them to realize that no matter how bad things got, they always had a choice. They could always choose to do what was right. Um, Because life is choices. The minute you wake up in the morning, choices begin. So it's up to you as a free will being if you're going to make choices of light or choices of darkness. And that will affect your entire life and the lives of those around you. Nice. And I think it's, you know, it's great for, it's a it's a great, and I know we've kind of got gotten off the topic supposedly, but we haven't because your books are actually on topic. So there's a lot of stuff in there that's good for families to talk about and that kind of thing. And, and it really is actually more fact-based than people might think. <laughs> so it seems like a very nice story. It's just this cool little story you're reading, but in fact, you know, there's a lot to it. And I think there's a reason people get so pulled into it because it is one of those you just can't put down and you can't wait for the next one and that kind of thing. And and I think part of the reason for that is that there are actually these angelic beings backing that story. And it really, I think that it was probably, you know, my mystical self believes that it was told through you. That's what I truly believe. So um, anyway, so just real quickly let people know where they can get that and, and how to find out more about what's coming out. And then we'll get back to the topic. Is that cool? Because sure. I want people to know um, where to find it. Well, it's right now it's available on Amazon.com as both a paperback and a Kindle. Uh, you can also get it at Barnes & Noble. Um, and I'm eventually going to be getting it into the bookstores. In fact, I'm starting a campaign real, right very soon with a, a summer reading program. And uh, I'm putting it in uh, a discount bookstore. Um, the next one is going to be coming out, uh, like I said, I'm submitting it to the publisher this week. Um, probably that Friday, which means I'll have it out sometime around the middle of November is the uh, target date. And in the meantime, I have Exciting. a book trailer that will be done before then, so people can see that on YouTube. And um, that's what's going on. And do you have a website? That oh, yeah, I do. Up or no? Do you, do you keep yeah, it up with, like, updates? I have to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Chronicles dot com and McDara is M A C D A R A. Nice. Okay. Awesome. So okay, so now that we've done that, and I really like everybody who's listening, everybody who knows anybody who reads a book, you know, 
really ought to check this out. Not because Judy's my friend, but because this is actually how we got to be friends, because there is a whole lot to what she's writing there. And um, and I think it's a really powerful story that can help people and help our state of consciousness. I mean, I don't think you realize that that's what you're doing, but it is what you're doing. You know, if you um, if enough people read this book and it becomes big like some of the others, like Harry Potter, Twilight, that kind of thing, then there's actually a shift in consciousness that takes place as you're reading this, which is pretty important. And so it's actually um, – and you just think you're having fun. So, <laughs> So anyway, okay, so – so tell me more about uh, what do we want to talk about now? What are some other oh. fun-filled things that they don't tell you in church that you have stumbled upon in your studies of all the different many things you study? Because holy cow, like, <laughs> you blow well, my mind with um, all the different things that you just, oh, I'm just bored. I think I'll learn Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay, well, here's something, and you are the one who actually opened my eyes to this, and, and I had seen it before in the Bible, but it just didn't, you know, connect with anything other than, oh, wow, isn't that cool? Um, you had talked a lot about um, the, the healing quality of different types of um, gemstones. Mm, okay. Like, nice, with, let's with go there. And, yeah, and all that sort of thing. I'm like, okay, and crystals and... And, you know, a lot of people, um, and this is not a put-down anyway of, of religion, but most uh, religions don't advocate that. And I think those who believe in any kind of um, power associated with crystals are just a little bit off the reservation, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm reading along in Revelation, and I come upon this amazing description of the New Jerusalem. And it talks about, I mean, it's got very distinct uh, measurements, but the cool part is that it describes the walls as being made of jasper and the city being pure gold. And then the foundations of the wall had all manner of precious stones. And then it gives the different foundations. There's jasper and sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, sardonyx, sardius, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, Chrysoprosis, I think. Chrysoprosis. I don't know how you say that. Mm -hmm. My name is Judy. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, jacinth and amethyst. Uh, and the gates themselves are pearl. So I'm thinking, you know what? My friend Terry has a whole book on every one of those things and what they do. That's right. And since the New Jerusalem is supposed to be a place of great healing and light and joy and peace, all of these things make sense that they're there, that the, the city is actually built on these things. And, you know, the Bible talks about how God filled the earth with treasures. Hmm, okay, so why would anyone object to seeing these stones as one of the natural godly treasures that God put there for our healing and our well-being? So I thought, wow, well, that's pretty cool. Now, is it true that, like, when people do see that, right, do they not – because the only thing I've ever heard about that <clears throat> before you mm -hmm. talked about it from this perspective is is kind of that, you know, when the whole city is made of gold and the, all the gemstones, people sort of take that as wealth, just wealth. They don't, Oh, heavens I mean, no. You know, do people understand that gold has healing properties? Yeah. Gold is a very powerful nothing. metal, which is why it has become so valuable, but we've lost touch with the why of it, I think, over the... Well, the 
eons. Yeah, and I think if you look back way back where I was first talking earlier in, in the earlier books of the Bible, when it's describing how the, not just the Ark of the Covenant, but the, the tabernacle itself, the entire thing was covered with gold. God had to make the, the, the tables and everything. They were made of a very specific wood, and then they were um, covered with a sheeting of gold. And, and so this and wasn't just so silver. people could feel rich? I mean, don't you think that that's what with... people see when they they go, oh, it's, it's you've um, got to make the churches rich. You've got to, you know. And, and yes, I will take the hit for that one because I said it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I see imbalance in that all the time, and it just yeah, cheeses me off no end. But um, well, to put that in perspective. And that could be a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But well, do you find that people associate that mm-hmm. with wealth rather than healing? They do. They do. And what they don't realize is those people, the uh, the Hebrews that were just, they were living in flipping tents, for God's sakes. They weren't in mansions and dressed in rich. The only people who had fancy smancy clothes were the priests, and that was out of respect for God. And it was a very specific thing that they had to wear because every item of their clothing was symbolic of something. So the all the gold and all that had to do with energy. It had to do with God, who is energy, being in their presence. And when you consider how it talks, how he would appear between the cherubim on top of the ark, these were all solid gold. Mm-hmm. There was no richness involved here. It had to do with the energy of God's essence being concentrated before the people. So it's creating, and I just want to clarify, because this is something that we try to do today, and people mistake it for sort of an egotistical thing, right? So it's creating that that space through which the energy of God can can come into, right? Because you've got to build yeah. the frequency up. You've got to build the energy to a certain level where that energy can come through. It's clear enough. It's pure enough. It's high enough for that energy to move into. And so how can you make that connection? If, well, see, if it had to, if it had to do with wealth, it wouldn't have been tucked away under um, all kinds of cloths and drapes and, and curtains and, 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 gopher skins and crap. Nobody could see that except the priest. So what was this? Well, people get wealth and gold so they can show it off. Right. So, yeah, that what you're saying is absolutely right. What we do, now here's, here's what's really cool, because, again, you have a lot of things that were done as what the in the Greek is called tupos, meaning a, a type made by, like when you, a typewriter, the old ones that had the keys that would strike the paper and leave ink inside the impression that the right that the key left. Well that's what all of these were. That space in today's times is also within us. So if we can see that and understand the incredible intensity of that energy that would concentrate in that space between the cherubim um, where God would appear, we can see it happening within our own selves so that we can then do what you call channel the energy of God towards other people, and that's how we can bring healing to them. Right. And so, <clears throat> Absolutely. And so then symbolically and in, in our body, like symbolically on the outside we're seeing this happen or we're hearing about this happening, mm-hmm. and but then within ourselves, like not 
and we've done a couple of shows on this so far, like not connecting with what are considered the seven sins, right? right. Keeps Which us more right. pure, mm-hmm. right, so that that energy can come through us. So, exactly. you know, we did a whole show on the seven sins. I think it was the seven sins in you, and that's exactly what we're talking about was, um, you know, it's funny because if anybody who knows me from, like, my past heard me having a conversation that's so – um, religious oriented, they would laugh so hard because I was not raised <laughs> in churches, you know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. truth is truth. <laughs> Here right. I am, truth. <laughs> but um, you know, and and sometimes it goes along with what people perceive as religion, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay because there is truth within what they're doing as religion mm-hmm. as well. And you know, all religions. Exactly, and it has to do with how people. See, people have a tendency to want to interpret what's already been interpreted. Right. As far as, you know, as far as I'm, isn't that true? And they do, and they'll take really is. Up. In the In the secular world, you see a perfect example of it with Lewis Carroll. When he wrote the Alice books, uh-huh. there was no secret codes about drugs and psychedelics. It was the Victorian <laughs> era, and that's how people thought. Right. Well, they they got into the whole dream thing because life was pretty darn dreary back then. Um. So, but then it's it's like this with the Bible too. It interprets itself. Right. And, and, and if you look, all you have to do is look at context. You see the 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 immediate context, and then the more remote context, and it all fits together. And there's no need for you to go. Well, I think this means well. Mm, okay, but that's not what it says. No. So and when you did the mystery what... school, mm-hmm. when you did the mystery school, because yeah. that was all, you were still all really new to this. It was amazing to watch this journey that you've gone through, right? I met mm-hmm. Judy, and and she was very, um, very, you were very mainstream, I guess, as mainstream as you could be, right? As far as the, yeah. you know, I mean, you're, she, and the way I said the reason I say that is because she's got an imagination like nobody's business and she sees everything in cartoons and no, who knows what. So um, Judy's mind is a wonderful place. <laughs> Your mind is not mainstream at all. Yeah. But but you really hadn't explored um, maybe the metaphysical or the new age or the whatever people want to call it, the alternative stuff very much, right, at that point? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you went to mystery school, that was kind of um, – kind of an interesting journey to watch. So, you know, when I real quickly put uh, like what our topic was today, I just put things, you know, like um, things you didn't know about religion or whatever, like just the the combining of mysticism and religion and fun facts and whatever. So when you were going to mystery school, there were a lot of overlapping things that you were like, oh, wow, this is that and, you know, whatever. So your aha moments. So do you remember any of your aha moments in mystery school when it was – because that's kind of an awakening, I guess, outside of religion, right? Um, actually, what was that it like? is and it's not. Well, it's all kind of tied together. And I was I was fascinated by how well it tied together. Um, there were so many things that I had seen as a non-conventional uh, Christian – I, I'm not a religious person at all. I can't stand religion. But I do believe that there's such a thing as a relationship, and that's what I think Christianity is. It's a relationship, not a religion. 
And um, in that context, I was seeing a lot of that in what Christopher was sharing about how nature ties in, about time, about, well, space and energy, and um, what our purpose is here when he was talking about the whole business of everything being part of everything. I, I, I kept thinking about that lyric. You know that silly old song, happiness runs in a circular motion? I think they even use it for a commercial once. But it says <laughs> everything, is a, everything is a part of everything anyway. And right. that was one of the things that he always opened with. And um, so I thought, well, you know, that makes sense because it's all organic. You know, the the creator, people think of God many times as a being that looks like a sits on this throne-like thing somewhere, and next to him is a huge box of lightning bolts, and he's up there looking around going, hmm, who can I zap today? You know, <laughs> whereas that's not what he is at all. He describes himself, again, see, this is where it interprets itself. God flat out says, I'm light. Well, what is light? Light's energy. It's, he's pure, sentient energy. And he's also love. So you put that into the mix, and mm-hmm. away goes the box of lightning bolts. Right. Instead, instead, what you have is this being that pulls the entire universe together based on his um, endless energy. And therefore, we have things that have natural shapes, and like spheres and crystals, these are all part of the original design. And all of this stuff was being brought up in the in the mystery school. I'm like, oh, cool. So, <laughs> I was really getting a huge kick out of it because I never looked at it from that perspective before in terms of how other people would see these things and giving it other terms that I hadn't known to use before. So it was really fascinating. I, I would recommend doing that for anybody who has that kind of curiosity. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. There are a whole lot of mystery schools out there at this point. They're all a little bit different. Um, the one that Judy and I went through um, was called um, Order of the Blue Star. And um, and so it was very interesting. And I've learned, I've since learned that there are just bunches of mystery schools out there, and they're all a little bit different. So it's it tends to be whichever one you're drawn to, I think. But um, But, yeah, it was it was interesting to go through that. And um, and kind of meet up with old friends because it seems as though whatever one you're drawn to is actually um, kind of a reconnecting with a mystery school that you actually went through in a past life. So where I guess you know the one that I had gone through was like ancient Egypt, Sumerian times, that kind of thing. And then I think probably you know uh, you definitely have ties with the Greek energy for sure. But I don't know if you were teaching or a student then. So, or maybe both, who knows, because it was a long reign, I suppose. But um, And so when you started hearing about, like, these off-world beings and the Anunnaki and things like that, was that stuff they had, because he really went into a little bit in depth with with the whole story of the Anunnaki. And, um, and so had you heard about this stuff? I'm assuming no, you hadn't heard about this stuff in church or in the, the different mainstream studies you had, because you've studied a lot. As far as it's not just you know, Judy's not just a church going person, right? It's not about that at all. It's she really studies everything. I don't like a mind like nobody's business. So, 
just the mm-hmm. different things that you have studied and set in such depth that it's really interesting to talk about because you have a different point of view. It's not just, oh, this is what I was told and so that's the way it is. You know, you definitely have one of those inquiring minds. So when you went through this and he was talking about the Anunnaki and the different off-world beings and I don't know how much, because we did different classes. We were in the same school but different classes. So um, Mm -hmm. when he went into the off-world being kind of things or as other people call aliens, oh, I cringe at that word, but anyway, um, what was that like for you? Hmm. Well, aside from the fact that my children are convinced that I came from the mothership, um, <laughs> God, the whole concept of of an alien is not that it's not foreign to my thinking because I always consider God a different life form and angels a different life form. That would make them aliens to us. Um, right. Nice. And there's, Right? I mean, there's dimensions involved. There's a reason that we can't always see them. It's dimensional. So when he was talking about the different places, and this is another thing that totally blew me away about the, because I was, you know, the places on the earth that had these gates. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, oh, wow. Uh, gee. So what kind of gates are you places? talking about, just for those who don't know what you're talking about? Like, was it Peru or Mexico, somewhere where you've got these, they look like the thing from Stargate, where it's these, these circular openings in abandoned, what look like ruins, and in front of them there's what could very easily be taken as a control panel, on every right. single one. And these are places that are believed where people would set some sort of thing and they'd walk through and they'd just disappear. They'd come out on the other side somewhere totally different. Um, different time, different space, different place. Um, it was a, an unusual form of travel for back then. And I, I thought of the tagline that had come to me when I was trying to think of one for the book, which is the most ancient places contain doors, portals into the hub of time. And I'm like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> because you guys used to laugh at me when I would tell you stuff from my book. And I was like, why are they snickering? You know, it drove me crazy. You know, well, I describe those are good times. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I describe Michael the Archangel as being incredibly tall. I don't know why right. I pictured him that way. I just did, and Celeste and all these other angels as just being blindingly beautiful and very, very tall, and that they would come and go in these showers of light and. There you were with these knowing grins, giving each other sidelong glances and nudging each other. Because like, <laughs> these, are, these are beings that we just work with on a day-to-day basis. So you were pegging it like, this is what I'm saying in your books. Like, you just nail things that other people usually describe in such offbeat ways and just like, okay, no, that's you get the general gist, but no. I mean, we deal day in and day out with these beings. And so you had everything so spot on you know and that's why these books are just not normal because they're not just stories there there's a lot more to it like you know michael and the other beings are like talking through you you know so it's just um it's just very very interesting so so if you were to um what are some fun facts for people like okay so this is what we typically learn in church or people perceive this out of the bible but in fact and just something different that 
Because I know you have a whole boatload of those things, right? So when you think about things that you would say to somebody just to, like, get that that shock from, do you ever do that? Like, just talk to somebody who's so stuck in the mud about what they perceive the Bible to be because they've been told that. Are there things that you, facts that you toss out there just to shake their reality a little bit? Because I know you have them, yeah. and I know you have a little bit of a spirit like that. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> so what are some things that you would toss out just to rock somebody's world about who thinks they know what's going well, on with Well, I know that, first of all, there's no one group that has all the answers. So there is no one and only church out there that God's like best friends with and the rest of us are just sort of like on the fringe going, can we get in? You know, it just doesn't work like that. Um, Because, you know, it doesn't say that for God so loved the bloody blah church. No, it says the world, you know. Um, And then there's all these other aspects of the, the, the thing, the way he describes, and I don't think people realize this either, it's very cosmic. In Job, he says how he hung the world on nothing. It talks about the circle of the earth, and that's the word that actually means sphere. They didn't know that it was a sphere back then, but God did. And he <laughs> yeah. right. right. And then he talks about in Genesis, and this is another one, People say, oh, well, there couldn't have been dinosaurs. The Earth's only 6,000 years old. And to which I say, really explain diamonds, dear. But then, (laughs) yeah, that one I usually get, like, smacked. But anyway, the dinosaurs. Yeah, they were real, for gosh sakes. It was a huge gap of time between the original creation and when God said, let there be light. Because there was light to start with. Something happened. Something hit the Earth. And it tells you that right in Genesis, and people don't see it. Then I show it to them, and they're like, and they don't know. It's up to them if they want to believe it or not. But there it is. You know, God does not hide things from us that we need to know. And it's, so that, that kind of shakes them up a little bit. And then there's all this other stuff where it's the Bible is nothing but a bunch of thou shalt not. No, it's thou shalt haves. Is what it's got. The, oh, do go there. Do go there yeah. because a lot of people have a problem with that having, unless yeah. unless it's having issues about having. <laughs> yeah. So let's go there. Okay, well, okay. Well, let's start with first of all. Everyone comes up with the oh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. Bible doesn't say that. Sorry, dude. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, why would that be the root of all evil? Because when you that love is an obsession, and because money tends to represent power, people use it as power over others for harm. That's why it's that's what's the root of it. Not money. It talks in in one of the right, poor little stuff. money didn't do anything except try to help. No, people. it's minding. <laughs> That's right, minding its own business, being all coiny and papery. Right. um, Yeah. He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Uh Huh? Well, hey, there it goes. And what about Moses and and Aaron, and not Aaron, but uh, Abraham and all those guys? They were filthy rich, for God's sake. I was going to say, there's a whole series of books. They're short little books, but they're talk, they talk about, a, oh, I can't remember the name of them now, but it's like um, 
the millionaires of the Bible or something like that. Um, and they talk about Jesus and Moses. They each have their own little yeah. book. And, he uh, wasn't poor. He wasn't right. poor by any means. He was direct descendant of King David. That hardly makes him poor on both sides, um, Mary's and Joseph's. Okay? Now, I believe that God did the whole, poof, there's a sperm in you, Mary. You're having my kids. So he started a whole new race there. He didn't have the DNA of Adam. But... Joseph, as his stepfather, was also a descendant of David, direct, which is why they got sent to the city of David when she had him in Bethlehem. Um, those They talk about the three wise guys. There weren't just three of them. They didn't travel that way back then. It was too dangerous. These guys who came from the east traveled in massive caravans. These were kings and astronomers. And they had studied the heavens. The star was not this big, bright thing in the sky going, oh. It was a <laughs> constellation that was moving that they followed. Anyway, they brought, there were three gifts mentioned, but that doesn't mean there were only three gifts. They brought a crap load of stuff, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were kingly gifts. Jesus was already, like, toddling around by the time they showed up. They didn't get to Bethlehem the night he was born. That doesn't say that. It calls him the young child in the house, not the baby in the barn. Um, so Mary, they had all these incredibly uh, expensive gifts. They were rich. The robe that they described the Romans dividing, they, 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 well, they actually didn't divide it. They cast lots for it because it was too expensive to tear in pieces. It was a, a one-piece garment. Only the richest people could could afford those. So, yeah, and Judas Look was you carrying go. around the... Yeah, I could go on and on. I'm sorry. Well, and you know, you know what I find is people are so... Um, people who... Okay, there's so many different, we could just go so many different ways with this particular subject. It just blows my mind how through the ages this subject never gets squared away. It's bizarre. So you have all these light workers and all these spiritual workers in whatever aspect, whether they're religious or they're New Age or they're mystics or they're prophets or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. many people have in their heads that that you have to be poor like Jesus. And I'm thinking, Jesus wasn't poor, dude. No. How do you think he afforded to go do all that stuff? It takes money to go do those things, to go be of service. You know. Yeah. And so what I find is a lot of people who were born into this life were born into this life through families like that where mm-hmm. there, or through situations where the backing came so that the backing is there to allow them to do this work. And the thing is that typically the priorities are a little different. So they may, like I know, I know for me, right, my own personal situation I can speak of, and and I have backing. I have financial backing, and there's there's no other way I could have done this work otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not filthy rich, but I've got backing, and I'm very happy with money. I love money. Money's my friend, right? Because yeah. how much good can I do with the money that comes my way? I can go be a service to so many more people. And so when people look at my life, they think, because I don't drive a new car, I have a van, an old, Mm -hmm. simple van that's easy to work on, that kind of thing that I've gutted and I can make into a nice little house for me and my dogs so I can, what? Oh, yeah, travel and do my teachings, right? And not have to worry about hotels and that kind of thing. And I can maintain my space and make it a sacred space inside my little van, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I don't have a great big fancy house. I have a very nice house, 
I love my house. It's beautiful. But yeah. I choose not to have a big fancy house. Right. My priorities are a little bit different than like I don't care about the bags and the shoes matching and I don't have to have name brand whatever. I probably could if I wanted to if that was my priority, but instead I'd rather put my money towards things like, you know, being able to go and teach, being able yeah. to do my work instead of having a job creating more money. I do this work and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's just the different priorities. You know, and yeah. so I think people have in their heads that um that because people don't look the way they they think abundant looks, that mm-hmm. people must be poor. And I think it was the same way back then. The priorities yeah. were different. So like right. so like with Jesus and the money that he had, right? Yeah. He wasn't dressing in the fancy garb and everything because why? He had no need to, for one thing. He wasn't right. out to prove anything. He was The only exactly. thing he was there for was to let people know who God was. And it makes, and to, I think mm-hmm. it also makes them more accessible, more people, the masses can relate to you more. The second people view you as wealthy, it's almost like they see you as them and, mm-hmm. instead of us, you know? Yeah. And so... I don't know. How do you feel about that and and the way the different prophets, um, because they did have backing. They did have money. Yeah, they did. And, of course, people had a different mindset then, too. If people were wealthy, it was a sign that you were in good with God. Ah. Because, see, prosperity. But how did that change? It, well, it, uh, the PC police came along and decided that that warfare was more fun because that way the people who really were rich and didn't want anybody to realize it wouldn't notice. So instead, they would just attack the ones who were honestly rich and used to be admired, but now the whole spread the wealth thing. You know, it's like, here, let me take what's yours so I don't have to work. That's something that's a a symptom of today's society, and I'm not going to point fingers at who started it or when because it actually began a long time ago. Right. Um, but it, what happened was we, we had a shift from spiritual to the physical. In the East, life is 80% spiritual, 20% physical. In the West, in our Occidental culture, it's the total opposite. It's 80% physical, maybe 90, right. you know. Um, and the spiritual, which is why it was considered completely normal to have some guy stand up on a street corner and start preaching about God, people didn't go, oh, my God, get him out of here. Well, right. like he's crazy. Now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Whereas you must today, be crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, you just wouldn't do that today. Which is, My heart goes out to the Jehovah's Witnesses because they're doing it the way they did it in the East. They right. went door to door and all that, and they, they spoke their beliefs, and people would listen because they liked hearing that stuff. Today, they knock on people's doors and... It's just not quite the same. <laughs> they don't get right. that kind of reception, you know. But you know, they—I have to admire their their guts for, and actually their dedication to God and the Bible for doing that. But you know, because we're in a culture where, sadly, too many people are entirely focused on the here and now and their um, their physical needs. They're not thinking about what 
it talks about in the Gospels. And, and, and I get, well, Jesus was saying this, don't, you know, you lay up treasure in heaven. And he's not talking about, you know, uh, this immediate afterlife thing where you're going to get up there and you'll have this treasure. It's, it's talking about rewards. That's what the treasure in heaven is. Because there's going to come a point where everything is going to be cool because the whole city with the gems all over it is going to be there. And if you have those treasures waiting for you based on how you lived your life, um, you'll have a lot more to do there. And it's Well, it's and you know, simple. sorry, as you're talking, That's- I just... I just, as you're talking, it occurs to me, you know, I work, a, I work a lot. For 30 years now, I've worked with souls that have passed on and are stuck. Whether they're mm-hmm. just confused and they're stuck, they don't know that they passed on, or straight up to, like, the hardcore poltergeist stuff and the, and the possession cases from all over the world that seem to find me. Um, so every level of, of that, and even the essences, God, we could probably do a show on that, just the essences that have eternally been around that create the wars and create the there are actually essences of energy that sort of spark those things and oh yeah and uh and so it's that that real battle between dark and light and uh it's very it's very unseen really unspoken about even in my circle right but but when i work with these beings who have passed on and they are in whatever state of confusion they're in once i connect them with with the light and i I counsel those souls, like I help them with it, no matter how dark they seem to think they are. I connect them with their light, right, to mm-hmm. a certain point, um, unless they're really just of the darkness, which is a thing right. for people, right, and mm-hmm. balance because we're in a world of duality. So I, as a healer, I respect that, and, and beings from the dark come and take them and, and straighten them out and heal them in their own in their own way, which is a, a whole other topic, but... When I connect beings with the light and they let those angels in, their core team of angels, you can feel that shift and they relax and and they're taken to a place of healing. And so I just kind of wonder if when they spoke about this city, right, with all of these healing properties, was it not creating an energy and a place? Because it's all in your mind. Where is it you're going? It's all in your in your consciousness, I should say, where is this place of healing you would like to go to? And it can be anything because Absolutely. it's energetic. As you mm-hmm. as you perceive it in your being, it becomes real. And so is this yeah. not creating a space for people to go to, right, yeah. energetically? And everyone, you know, even Jesus had a space that he went to. He went The Garden of Gethsemane, that was his favorite space. That's where he would go to get peaceful, to get his own healing, because life beat him up a lot, yeah. you know. It did. He was constantly under attack and being accused of all kinds of things. And all he ever did was try to be good and help people, you know. And uh, it was exhausting, and he needed to be healed. So he would go there, and he'd get. it was a very quiet, private place where he felt he was closest to his father, to God, and Everyone has to, if, if they genuinely want to see life be sweet, we need a space like that. We need to find somewhere we can go both in our minds and physically where we can find the healing we need on every level. Right. It's not always necessarily from a sickness or something. It's 
just from the, the cuts and bruises we get from being human. Well, and that isn't that kind of where that just being silent in the garden comes from. It's it's well, that's exactly whatever what that is. stillness in the garden or whatever that is. See, clearly you can tell I didn't ever read the Bible, but but it amazes me for somebody who was not raised that way and who never read the Bible how how easily I connect with these energies that are spoken of that I don't know anything about. So it's kind of neat for me when we talk about things and I'm like, oh, I do that, or oh, I work with that being, or you know, yeah, and well, then I find out that it's something that that they teach about in in different philosophies, you know, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, God made it easy. He made it easy because it's universal concepts. These are not specific to any religion. That's why, I mean, like I said, it's all organic. We're all connected. And because of that connection, you can feel the same thing without having studied all that stuff that somebody can feel who has. Well, and I think, you know, for me, one of the things that when I was, going through the mystery school and different teachers I've worked with throughout the years, they all say, you know, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, so much of the world is Christian. You have to learn what's behind all this. And I, my whole life I have gotten the feeling that no, no, I don't because not out of disrespect, but because I feel like, and you know, like just knowing me for these years, Mm -hmm. I think that I'm pretty Christ-like, right? I I look to a certain kind of life and I look to a certain kind of standards for my energy and I'm not perfect, but I do continuously strive for a certain sort of energy or vibration and it just so happens that it vibes with what Christ is pictured to be or, you know, what he was, what he's promoting. (laughs) I'll probably get smacked for that. But, you know, I think that that shows that it, there is truth to that. Mm-hmm. By my not yep. knowing, I couldn't possibly know what it is I'm supposed to strive for. I just do what feels right to me, and I just do what I'm drawn to do. And so I think because I've never studied that, there's no preconceived notions. And so that's got to show people that there is some truth to this, even, and not just Christianity, all the philosophies, because, um, yeah, Christianity has taken over the world, and I have my opinions about that. But, you know, whatever, I think that there are a lot of beautiful philosophies. And I think it's a shame that people strictly go to the one, honestly, because I think we miss out on so much. We were never supposed to be a division of belief, ever. Right. That was not how it was set up. And even the whole, um, they talk about the Judeo-Christian. Well, just by calling it that, with that hyphen, that puts a division between two that was never meant to be. Right. There's not supposed to be a division. No. No. There's just one thing. And it's very, very simple. And it's beautiful. It's when it's in its whole, like if you can see it as its whole, it's like one of those um, faceted crystals or something where you, you look through the different sides and almost like a prism, a prism, but mm-hmm. more so like the crystals that are really faceted and cut in different ways because there's so many different philosophies and you look through and they all have different points of view, but they're all coming from that same light and that same piece of crystal, you know, and and it's truly amazing. So we have like four minutes. So oh. go ahead. I just wanted to give you a, a heads up. I was going to say maybe because it all comes from the one source, whatever you want. 
Right. But you've got the same designer. That's you know, you go through a neighborhood and all the houses look a little different, but there's something very much the same about all of them. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because there's the one architect. Okay. Right. He just exactly. a little inventive with some of them, but it was the same guy. You know? Right. So yeah, all all people here and animals and everything. Two eyes, one nose, one mouth. Right. Unless you're my teacher in high school. But anyway, it just it happens that we all have that similarity because it's the same designer. You know? Right. Right. And I think um I think it's important to really like you've really studied the different philosophies and you're not you're not just um like your typical church-going Christian person. Like you've really studied the different philosophies and you continue to study, and I love that about you, you know. And I think that that's so important for people to not just get stuck in one, oh, this is the way it is. Like really open your minds and, and study different things. It doesn't mean because there is no division. It's not like football teams, right? <laughs> like, no, yeah. I'm a I'm a Steelers fan, whatever. Like with this, it's all of creation. It's all one thing. Yeah. And so I will you know, say that we're going to miss our meditation today because this is good and we're just going to keep going with it. But so I just wanted just to tell one thing that. I want to leave you with, a, a, a suggestion to your listeners. If they want to get a, a firm grasp on how vast this unity is, take a look at some of the pictures that NASA took from outer space. Just do that. That's all I'm going to say. It will knock you on your butt. <laughs> so there is actually, it, and there is um, like a NASA website with images of all kinds oh, of stuff, yeah. isn't it? Like NASA, NASA.com or something. I don't remember what it is, but... Um, there are a few you places know, you can go. Yeah. In, in fact, if you go one? to Dover Books, if you go to Dover Books, they have a... Um, you'll see a little uh, banner on the side that gives you the option to get different um, um, royalty-free pictures. And if you click into that area, you'll, you'll there's one... Um, category that's NASA and it, it has a beautiful beautiful images that they took nice and you can actually download like at least three of them for for free if you sign up for that oh, and it's a free sign up so nice but just yeah all right well so, or go to NASA so one final plug for your books McDera Chronicles mm-hmm. um, Overcomer and- the Dirty all right, and you can get that on Amazon. You can also find Judy at Judith Colella on Facebook. So, um, and you oh, can yeah, find me at Truth Light and The Mystical Truth all on Facebook and uh, mysticaltruth.com, 12weekcoaching.com, sacredlightofsedona.com, um, all places you can find me. And I work out of Sacred Light of Sedona um, on Highway 179 in Sedona, and I do all kinds of different, I do regression and etheric cord cutting and different sorts of things as well as just readings and life coaching and that sort of thing. So, um, okay, so look Judy up and uh, check out her books because they are truly amazing. They make If that one's coming out for the holidays, the set would make a great gift for people. And um, all right, so, and mcdarachronicles.com, is that what it is? Yes, themcdarachronicles.com. Okay. The mcdarachronicles.com. And okay. there are links on the site to where you can buy the book as well. Fabulous. Okay, so we are out of time, everybody, and we will get back to our meditations tomorrow. And uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for joining us. I know today was different, but that's what we love about this show. So ideas for topics are always welcome. Truth Light on Facebook or email me through here. All right. Thank you, Judy.
You're welcome. Thanks for having coffee with you. (laughs) All right. right. Everybody have a great day. Thanks.